Our text for meditation this seventh Sunday in the Easter season is on our Old Testament reading. Hear the word of our Lord from Ezekiel 36, verses 22 to 32. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations, and gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The two most important words in all of Lutheran theology are for you. I have always held that the Bible is totally worthless if it does not apply to us. The law, the gospel, the histories and wisdom, if none of that is for you and for your salvation, then it is doubtful that it would be of any use to us, even if it were true. It is true that there are cars in Indonesia. So what? Do I rely on cars being in Indonesia? Do Indonesian cars matter to a man who is thousands and thousands of miles away from anything having to do with them? Of course not. That something is true makes no difference to us if it does not apply to us or give us something to go off of for our lives. Thankfully, the Christian faith is for you, beloved. It is absolutely true, 100% of it, but God is for you. The scriptures are for you. The law and the gospel and the whole life that our Lord has planned out, all these are for us. 
unlike the ethnic religions out there. It is not for some other people. Unlike Buddhism or Hinduism, it does not say, oh, here is the dispassionate reality of illusion, make of that what you will. And certainly, unlike Islam, it is not against you. The true God and the true religion which he gives us is immensely, extrovertedly, intensely for you, compassionate for you, caring for you, building you up and making you better as you are granted eternal life through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But while the entirety of Christianity is for you, we must be careful to distinguish something. Not every blessing is for your sake, even if it is a blessing given to you specifically. In our Old Testament reading, our Lord says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. The children of Judah, to whom Ezekiel makes his oracle, had taken God's name in vain by their sinful ways of life. They had sinned against God and given him a bad reputation in the eyes of the Gentiles. In the midst of exile... God promises Israel a return to the land, and a return to blessings for them, but not for their sakes. Simply put, they do not deserve it. They have done nothing meriting this blessing, and nor is there something special in them that would make God say, I should bless them because they are so precious and wonderful. They were not a chosen people on account of how great they were. Contrary to what they were likely hoping to hear, God reveals to them that it is for his name that he acts, not solely for their benefit. He is repairing the damage they did to his reputation by blessing them with repentance. Too often, we act like just because God is for us, he is not allowed to ever be for himself. This feels right to us. After all, we react, and quite rightly, with disgust at the theologians out there who say God does literally everything for his glory, as though he were some divine narcissist. While it is certainly true that God does and has acted for his glory, and he even created us for it, we rightly get the sense that if ego was God's sole motivation for everything, then we are held in extremely low esteem by our creator. If God only loves us because we are designed to bring him glory, then we aren't being loved so much as we are being used. But let this nuance not lead us to the opposite conclusion. May we never say that we deserve God's love and God deserves humiliation. May we never say that the holy and infinite creator of all reality is not entitled to speak about his perfection. 
God and the Christian faith which he blesses us with are for you, not about you. We must deflate our egos lest we end up like the children of Judah, so self-obsessed that they could not bear to think that our Lord would seek his own good reputation, let alone do anything good for the Gentile nations. Speaking of Gentiles, our reading tells us something very interesting. You see, for the children of Israel, it was necessary that God should squish their self-estimation here. They were going to receive mercy and blessing from on high, such that they would be blessed in the same way they would be if they had obeyed the law. Verses 28 through 30 show various blessings, from being God's people once more, to purity, to plentiful harvests, to protection from famine. This is more or less a summary list of the blessings the law promises for covenant obedience in Deuteronomy 28. Even though they don't deserve it, and certainly not for their sakes, there is still a temptation to get a big head over these promises. And that's when our Lord brings up the nations. He says, The nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. All the promises God makes to Israel in this passage are not just to repair the damage done to our Lord's name through their sins, but his glory is being shown for the Gentiles, that they may see him and worship him. Through the children of Judah, God's name is going to be vindicated before all nations. How amazing, even in the midst of chastising Israel and telling them they are receiving blessing for his name's sake, he points to his charity towards others. Now, how shall this happen? We are given a hint in the 25th verse. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And what benefit comes from being cleansed in this manner, with this water? A new heart. He says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What is the consequence of this change, a new heart and a new spirit, on account of this cleansing with water? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So a washing with water, in which God, because of his promise, brings about a new heart, a new birth for that matter, with his Holy Spirit coming upon the individual so washed and bringing them to a new kind of obedience. You cannot convince me that this passage is not speaking about baptism, beloved, 
nobody could tell me that this is not about baptism. A washing by which we are given a new heart. The very Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in us and we begin sanctification. That is holy baptism. It is a washing of water comprehended in the word of God. His promises applied to us in which we are saved. Ezekiel's prophecy explains to us why St. Paul says several times in the book of Romans, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Over and over again, St. Paul says this with such mystery that we can't understand why it would be for the Jews first, given that, yes, they had the Old Testament first, but the gospel came to the Gentiles so quickly that it seems almost simultaneous. But in our reading for today, God reveals to us that he preserved the nation of Judah, brought them back to their land, and blessed them so that they would persevere to the time in which our Lord Christ walked this earth and brought us through his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, the new birth. The presence of the Holy Spirit in every believer which we receive at our baptism. And because this would start in Judah at Pentecost with baptized believers from the children of Judah, namely the apostles and the disciples who then spread the gospel to all the world, to all the Gentiles, we can see now how God's plan, prophesied several hundred years before Pentecost, not only played out, but also how it applies to us. The New Testament writers, all of whom are from Judah with the exception of St. Luke, they speak to us, we, Gentiles, men and women and children of the nations, so that we may receive this wonderful message. And it is not for the sake of Judah the people, but for our sakes, and ultimately for the sake of God's holy name, by which, with the revelation of Christ to all nations, his reputation is fully appreciated. May we then, in line with the revealed will of our Lord, praise him and glorify his holy name. How does one glorify God's holy name? By obeying his word, by praising him. God does not need more glory. He already has all glory. So when we glorify God, we are revealing to others and to ourselves in our study of the word, his perfection and holiness and compassion to us. And may we rejoice then to be among those nations whom God has revealed himself. Now the peace of our Lord, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.